The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property and dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you always are with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Morning. Morning. How are you? Good. Good. Am I kind of sleepy? <laughs> no. no. Some of you look sleepy. We're going to do this first, okay? All right. 
I got my iPad again, and this time it has a charge, and so we should be good to go, right? See, it's on. But I need you guys to remind me, what have we been talking about all this week? What did we do first, right off the bat with this iPad? Yeah. Yeah, you got to do something about it, right? So we talked about that last week. What did we first do with this iPad? Yeah. Deleted half the apps on my iPad. Was it just because it was getting full? No. It's because those are things that waste time and we need to do better. What did we do the next week on the iPad? Yeah. Um, we um, charge it. We charge it? That's what we did the third week. It had to do with this picture. What did we do with this picture on the iPad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we took some time, and the more time we gave ourselves, the better we were at seeing what the picture was. And so we talked about how even though we gave up a lot of stuff, we have to give ourselves time to learn something new. Then I came with the thing, and it wasn't even charged. And we talked about when we mess up, we got to try a little bit harder. We got to come prepared, just like I did today. But that is also, there's grace for us when we mess up. There's love for us when we mess up. Yes? Whoa. Read a couple of the devotions? Were they kind of neat? Yeah, yeah. The devotions, the devotions have a way of helping you see God in a different way. Now, who have we been talking about when we're working with the iPad. Yeah. Um, you gotta, um, just gotta um, look at your iPad and get some emails for your dad. Yeah, sometimes I get emails from my dad. But when we're here in church, who have we been talking about when we're talking about this iPad? Yeah. God. Is God in the iPad? No. Are you sure? It's got a lot of memory. Are you sure it's not in the iPad? The Bible's in the iPad. The Bible? You can fit the Bible in the iPad. That's right. But you can't quite fit God in the iPad, can you? Where's God? All around. Even up there. Even in heaven, right? In heaven, on earth, all around. God's everywhere. So do I need this iPad? No. Not, not quite. All right, I'm going to put it over here. Now what do I do? How, how, do, how do I know what God's thinking and what God's doing? Got to go do something else. That's right. We talked so far about turning back to God. We talked so far about giving ourselves space. We talked so far about trying to make changes. And all that is something that we do, right? Does God do anything? What does God do? Yeah. Can everybody look at my nose right here? Right here? Right here? Very good. God does things too. 
God does things like love us even when we mess up. God does things like love us even when we're doing well. Now, how could God love us at both those times? Mm-hmm. Everywhere. He's a God that pays attention to us, but just like your parents love you even when you mess up, God helps correct us, God helps change us, but God still loves us very, very much. And so this week, instead of giving you something to do, instead of giving you something to work at, I want you to see if you can tell someone else that God loves them too. Okay? So what are you going to do this week? And tell someone what? That God loves them. Tell yourself that too, okay? All right, we're going to pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that no matter what, whether we're very successful in what we do, whether we're very bad at what we do, that no matter what in life, you love us, you care for us, and you need us. In the midst of these things, God, we ask that you're with us this week. Help us to know this love and help us to share this love with others. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Does anyone in here know what the Myers-Briggs inventory is? Myers-Briggs inventory. So for those of you who know, I'm going to do a very bad job of explaining it just now. Those of you who don't know, I'm going to do a great job. But the Myers-Briggs inventory is basically an inventory that you take. It's very, very long. And it helps you kind of articulate what your personality is. It's got four different kind of scales or gradients that you fall on. The first one uh, is kind of an E or I scale, and that stands for extrovert or introvert. And every time I take this, it seems like I'm just a little bit more on one side or the other. And it's a scale, you know, it kind of tells you if you're all the way introvert, you would kind of enjoy being by yourself a lot. You, you get recharged. Uh, you find that energy by being by yourself. If you're all the way extrovert, you find that energy. You find life by being with others. If you're kind of in the middle, kind of like I am, you find it in both places at different points in time. Every time I take that test, everything else is pretty consistent. But every time I take that test, that E or the I, I'm kind of on either side. And I would even describe myself in different ways depending on kind of the time of day and how things are going. I'm an extrovert. I'm an introvert. A lot of times it's just kind of what I need. If I feel like I need to be out more, I'm an extrovert. If I 
feel like I need to be in more. I'm an introvert. Today's text is a huge parable. And parables tell us things about ourselves. The neat thing about parables is that they don't always tell us the same thing. From time to time, we experience ourselves as one character or another. From time to time, any of those characters tell us something about ourselves. Now, the parable is pretty familiar, right? The parable is pretty familiar. And so, I want us to take 10 seconds, which is not nearly enough time to digest a parable, especially of this length, but we're going to take 10 seconds. I want you to, in your mind, see where you're being drawn to, what character you might see yourself as. Take 10 seconds and do that right now. Go. All right. Let's see what we came up with. If you see yourself on a regular basis as the younger son, so the, the lost son, the prodigal son, raise your hand. Okay? If on a regular basis you see yourself as the older son, raise your hand. Alright? If you see yourself on a regular basis as the father, raise your hand. If you see yourself on a regular basis as the citizen who gave food, raise your hand. Okay? If you see yourself as anything else in the story, raise your hand. Can I ask what you see yourself as? I see myself as a slave who told the older brother that his brother had come home. Ah. The slave, the slave who told the older brother what's going on. So you feel like, okay, I can see that. Very good. Anybody else? Something else? I had someone argue very, very well that they felt like the pigs in the story. And I just, I let them be the pigs. Like, do whatever you want. But typically, we fall kind of somewhere in the story, right? We see ourselves reflected somewhere in the story. I think that the parable teaches in many ways many things. But for us especially, as we've been going through Lent, we've kind of got piled on the amount of work that we have to do. Right? I mean, text after text after text has been telling us about temptation and to turn from it, has been telling us to turn towards the kingdom of God and how we have to create that space and how we have to create something in us. We have to change our lives. Last week, it was just blunt. It just said, hey... You have to be a disciple. Hey, you got to produce fruit. Hey, it's not enough just to say that you're who you are. You have to, you have to back it up. Your actions have to change something. And on a regular basis, if you're like me, you can come home from these sermons saying, whew, I got a lot of work to do. Today, these two sons, I believe all three of these characters exist inside of that dilemma can exist inside of us from time to time. With the lost son, with that younger son, we can see ourselves in this from time to time, especially when we fail. We can see ourselves in this from time to time, especially when we realize we come to ourselves all of a sudden. 
we realize we're not lining up with the kingdom, we're not lining up with what we should be doing, hey, let's go and at least try. Let's go and at least try to be a little bit more like Jesus, a little bit more like a Christian, a little bit more like a disciple of the kingdom of God should be. And we try and we try and we try and we fail and we fail and we fail. And on a regular basis, we have that feeling of shortcoming. From time to time, we have that feeling of regret. On the other side, we can feel like the older. We can feel like, hey, we've been doing really, really well. We've been doing excellent. And in fact, I don't quite understand people who are outside of me why there is so much grace, why there is so much leniency in the kingdom of God. How's come God loves in the same way the same people who aren't doing any of the work? How's come God loves people in the same way who aren't bearing any of the responsibility, any of the financial hardships, any of the personal hardships, any, anything that it takes to be a disciple, to be a Christian in this world? How's come God loves them the same? reality of the matter is that both sides both the older and the younger son don't quite get it and if these two exist inside of ourselves we're torn between a life of just kind of not caring and a life of well devaluing the caring that we do Think of the younger son. When the younger son was away, he didn't really understand what he had. Wondered it all. Eventually he realized what he had and he thought that he can't be a part of it anymore. He realized what he had and he didn't think there was a place in the kingdom of God for him anymore. He didn't see himself as a part of his father's love, as a part of the family, as a part of anything. He devalued who he was solely based on, well, his own performance. He didn't realize that the love of his father was way more valuable than anything he had just inherited to him and to his father. He doesn't quite get it. The older son only sees value in what the younger son has received. The older son has been there the entire time. The older son has been present the entire time and yet his articulation, his definition of value is receiving something from the father so that he might celebrate with his friends. In essence, why don't I get what the other son got? He's already received everything. Why is he getting more? What he devalues, what he finds no value in, is the way that when he lived for years beside his father, when he worked for years beside his father, he understands now the whole of the farm. He understands now the whole of life as it is. He understands exactly what is his and what his inheritance is. Everything that the father has is his. Everything that the father owns is his. 
And more than that, he has a relationship with his father that his younger brother does not. He has been there. He has developed that. When we fall short of the kingdom of God, and we think God has no way of loving us anymore, we don't understand the love of God. How powerful it is. How much that it will never, ever leave us. When we look at others or when we look at ourselves and think that there's only power in the grace given to the sinner, when there's only power given to the grace, there's only power in the grace given to someone who doesn't earn it, we completely devalue the way that a life walking with God, a life living in the church, a life living as the church, is a life that turns us into people we could never become without that relationship, that we could never become away from the farm, away from God, away from the enacted inheritance that we all have. That's why there's a third person in this story. The father can say to the younger son, especially in the moment when he internalizes that he's not worth anything, you are loved. A father can say to the son, especially in the moment when he sees no value in a life living inside the kingdom of God, you have been transformed. Look at who you are and celebrate with me that another has come to this kingdom. past three weeks, you've been given loads of work. And that work, hopefully, is tied to your heart. This week, it's my hope and my prayer that the words of God, the words of grace, and the words of value are also tied there. That no matter how your Lenten journey is going, that no matter whether you're steadfast in the kingdom or whether you're very much lost from it. That there's grace and love for you in those moments. God be with you this week. God be with you as we approach this last week in Lent. Amen.